find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And we need your understanding, Father. We need whatever it is that you are going to pour out on us today. Give us the understanding that we need to live successfully for you. We are devoted to you, Father. No other God do we know. No other God do we desire to know. So we thank you, Lord, that we are consecrated to you. We're dedicated to you. We belong to you by the power of the purchase by your blood. So we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen, and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So we're going to talk about the fact that the blood stops them dead in their tracks. Amen. The blood stops them dead in their tracks. Stops who? Anything that's against God's covenant and God's kingdom. The demonic realm. The blood stops stops them in their tracks so it's a good thing to understand what was done for us uh, at Calvary in the shedding of blood and how that is so important for our redemption it's important for our everyday lives our cleansing our our relationship with God everything the blood is pivotal to everything that's good in our lives and and it's uh, very very necessary that we understand appropriate the blood of Jesus you can't talk about a finished work without understanding the blood. And I think many times people say finished work as though they don't have anything to do. You understand what I'm saying? Is It's a finished work, and, and the implication is it requires less of us. But the fact that the work is finished, I think, obligates us more. The Bible says, how can we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So in in our trying to simplify things, let us not neglect our responsibility and our um, uh, um, obligation to God to um, to fulfill our part of the covenant. Amen. Now we we have the covenant's been simplified instead of the Ten Commandments and Deuteronomy and Leviticus and you know all all the details of the law. We have the Holy Spirit who lives in us, who is able to confirm what we read in the Bible. So that's how the law comes to us, by the witness of the Word and the Spirit. And really it's summed up this way, that we would love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Jesus said the second commandment, or the the second part of that same commandment, is just as strong and forceful as the first, that we would love our neighbor as ourselves. So you can't love neighbor and and think that's righteous without loving God first. And you can't love God only and ignore your neighbor. The two, it's a package deal. And so why? Because we're made in God's image. So we have to love what he loves. He loves us and we're commanded to love one another. And so God wants us to understand, though, the power of his blood to make this possible. The blood makes it all possible. I wouldn't be able to love you and you wouldn't be able to love me for five seconds without the power of the blood working to make that enforce and make it real and make it a real happening, a real thing. Amen. And so when we understand the power there that, that has allowed us from ages past to, to see the significance 
of shed blood in the remission of sins. I think we can all agree that sin was our problem until we met the Lord. It's the problem of people in the world who aren't with the Lord or who don't know the Lord. It separates us from God. Amen. And and it's something that we have to really understand the total impact of what Jesus did to get us free from it in order to live free from it. Amen. I mean, sin on every level, in our hearts, in our thoughts, in our actions, in our words, it's all been eradicated by the power of his blood. So we are able to live sin-free and live in harmony with God. And by the power of the blood that continues to have a voice, and an eternal voice, amen, we are able to walk with God in harmony with him and walk in harmony with all men. Amen. We don't have to, we don't have to guess about anything in life anymore because the blood really gives us an assurance and a confidence, uh, about our lives. It's, it's tremendous what God had, what God thought and how he planned, um, all of creation around the source of life, amen, and around uh, pulling us into his life. And when we were disconnected from his life to bring us back into his life. And it's all by one thing, and that's blood, amen. And and it's important we understand it. It's important we respect it. It's important that we understand how it works. And so if we'll we'll give us a little bit of time and a little bit of thought uh, we can go over some things that we need to understand because what you want to do in your life is stop the devil. He's your biggest problem. I don't believe our problem is us anymore. Amen. It, it, we're, we're a new creation. So you're not a problem. If you'll let the new creation man live by feeding him the word, Letting him walk out the obedience of life. Amen. Not getting anxious for anything. I mean, it's kind of a tall order, but it's doable. Why? Because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You're not looking to do it on your own strength. You're looking to appropriate his strength for everything that you do. So that means waiting on him to guide you. Waiting on him to speak to you. Waiting on him to give you ideas, amen, and give you timing, all of those things. That's what walking in harmony really, really means, amen. Um, I was thinking about the, uh, there's some little games they would have at carnivals, and they would have husbands and wives uh, walking. They both put on the same, put on a pair of pants, but they both stick their feet in the same pant leg. And you had to walk. I mean, they, and it was a race. You had to look at who's next to you and see how they're coming along and, you know, see what to do. And it, it was the, the, the uh, couple that learned how to walk in harmony and not be pressured by the people next to them that usually run the race. Amen. And so that's how we are with God. We have to learn how to put on one pant leg with Jesus and walk in, in harmony with him and let him lead. Amen. Don't be the one who has to lead all the time. You know, women have a tendency to do that sometimes. If we think that man ain't moving fast enough, amen, 
there's a guilty verdict already rendered on that one. So you, whether you say amen or not, it's true anyway. Amen. Well, tell that brother, get it in gear. I know we going somewhere. We ain't just going to sit here. Amen. And that poor man's trying to clear your, you out of his head. Amen. So he can think and hear from God so y'all don't go shipwrecked. So true. Because most of them, they don't want to hurt your feelings. They know what you're talking about ain't going to work. I have some good ideas. I know. Keep them to yourself. Let God talk to him. I'm just saying from experience. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I'm the first one to indict myself. I thank God my husband didn't listen to me a lot of times. Somebody needs to say amen. You know, we always think we got the answers to everything. Sometimes when they don't do anything, it's because there's nothing to do. Oh, that hurt my feelings too. I don't care. It's the truth. Amen. Nothing to do but chill. (laughs) But anywho. So, so we're talking about the life that's in the blood. Amen. There is life in the blood. And that's what we've been given in Jesus Christ. We've been given a blood transfusion. Amen. And the new blood has annihilated the old blood. See, in a natural blood transfusion, you want blood that agrees with your blood. In a natural one. If, if, say for instance, if they give you a transfusion and certain factors don't match what you have in your blood, then they'll, the, the cells will start to fight each other and then you, you will go into shock. You go, you just can't have that kind of conflict on a cellular level in your body and survive. However, the blood of Jesus is not compatible with our natural blood. Thank God. So it comes in and it annihilates the old man. It kills him off. Even little by little, you'll find yourself, you think to yourself, I can remember when somebody would have said that to me and I would have went off or I would have been mad and I wouldn't have spoke to nobody for days and all that kind of stuff. Amen? Where did that go? It's been annihilated. It's not even in your blood no more. It's like you look for it to find it so that you can use it to assert yourself in the flesh. And you'll look and you'll see it's not even there anymore. And you'll look, you say, you know what? I don't even have a desire to, to do that or to say that or to get angry or to, you know, all that kind of stuff. I don't even have that desire anymore. That's when you need to start praising God. Amen. Because that's your evidence you're a new creature. See, when the, the, on a, on a cellular level, on a, um, a attitude level, on a heart level, when you can see that you have changed, that you, that's your evidence you're a new creature. I remember when I was first saved, devil could convince me I wouldn't save. Every time I did something that wasn't right, he could come to see. You, you thought you were saved. You ain't saved. You and I would doubt my salvation. I don't know if y'all did that, but I went through that for a little bit. Amen. 
And then I finally got peace about it. Now, how did I get peace? The blood started talking to me. Instead of listening to the devil, you start listening to the blood and hear what he speaks about you. When we start start meditating on scripture, you know, the, the who I am in Christ, in him reality scriptures, those scriptures aren't, those aren't mental. That's not a mental thing. Totally. That's a, a that's a a a, a, a uh, transfusion. See, you've been infused with new life, and that new life has consumed the old. See, sin and, and righteousness can't live in the same compartment at the same time. One's got to go, and so the other one can live. And so, the the blood of Jesus kind of consumes. All of that old desire, all of that old iniquity keeps chomping off at it little bit at a time, little bit at a time, little bit at a time. Before you know it, you don't even resemble the person that you used to be. Amen? Not in any way. Of course, the devil's going to come up and challenge you on it. He's going to bring something in front of you that he thinks you'll go for or get you in a moment of weakness. Amen? And you do something you wish you hadn't done. We all, we all have that. Listen, it was, you think to yourself, bad if I just stayed home that day, or if I'd have done this that day and not done that, I wouldn't have been in this embarrassing situation. See, all, all the devil can do to you is embarrass you. I'm going to say it again. All he can do is embarrass you. He can't make you do. That's not who you are. See, when he brings up your past, all he's trying to do is weaken your resolve to go forward. Huh? By keeping you in, in, in backwards and holding you up. He's not even speaking about a reality about us. That person isn't alive anymore. You know, you need to tell him, devil, if you're talking about, go to the cemetery and talk to her. Because she died. She don't live at this address no more. I don't even even forward her mail. That's how dead she is. You understand what I'm saying? No forwarding address. But if he can keep us living in regret of the past and guilt of the past and embarrassment of the past, then what does that do? Every time you stop and consider something that's dead, that takes the life out of you. He so hates the life of God that God put in his people that he'll do almost anything to keep that life from growing and going forward and getting stronger. Amen? Know this, that if he's taken the time to cause you to stumble, there must be something highly valuable in you. He's trying to keep you from becoming aware of it. That's all. I mean, it's highly valuable. So if he can keep you over in the realm of the garbage can of what you used to do, and not allow you to live in faith of what God has for you now and what he has for you in the future, 
he will keep you ground down and living there. So it's like poison. Like Saul did, shake it off. It's just old memories. Just shake them off. I say, God, that's not who I am anymore. And I worship you right in front of the devil trying to tell me I'm somebody I'm not anymore. I'm going to worship you right in his face. And I thank you, Lord, for making me a new creature. I thank you, Lord, for the power of your blood, which he sees over my life and he hates it. And I thank you, Lord, that I am a new creature. All things are dead, passed away, buried. Everything's new. In fact, I'm going to go out and do something new today. I'm not doing no old stuff. Show me something new I can do just to make the devil triple mad. Amen? That's how you, that's how you overcome. You defy him right to his face. And then prove it to him by going doing something righteous. Go do something that you've never done before. Go do something that'll shock hell and make him leave you alone. That's how you do it. That's what overcomers do. Amen. And make him watch. Amen. And so the, the life of, of any soul is in the blood. That's from Genesis 9. If you'll turn there, just this part of uh, the Noadic covenant after the the flood and the waters have subsided. Noah and his family are now uh, safely back on dry land. And it says here, uh, in, in God reestablishes covenant through Noah. And he said, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful, multiply. Same thing. He never tells us anything different. Amen. Because God never changes. His word to us never changes. Promises never change. And he says, and this is verse 2, The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and every fowl of the air and all that moves upon the earth, all the fishes of the sea, into your hand they are delivered in fear. See, this is different from what Adam had. Adam had dominion, but it was a benevolent dominion. It was the same kind God had. Now we have fear. You ever see, uh, you, you ever call your dog to you and they see him a little reluctant to come until they try you out and make sure you ain't going to mess with them? You know what I'm saying. You know, it's not good to tease your animals either. You, you understand what I'm saying? If you're going to offer them a treat, give them the treat. Satan. You understand what I'm saying? Don't pull it back and then do something. Don't tease. Don't do it with your children. Don't do it with people. Yeah, don't do it with anybody. It's just evil and wicked. But, but see, it's because they're afraid of you to start out with. You know, they learn how to get to themselves, live in their little cage for a little bit. Then when they find out you give them some goodies, they'll try that out for a while. And then pretty soon they see you, they can rely on you. Amen. But it happens gradually. It's kind of like you have to win them over. That's why people who get frustrated training their pets kind of wear me out a little bit. Because when you think about it, it ain't that hard. They're already scared of you. So what more do you need? You need to try and win them over. Amen. If they go on the carpet, learn how to take them outside sooner. 
You didn't get mad at your babies when they went in their diapers. Oh, now I'm not talking about 12-year-olds, though. But you know what I mean. It's It's a dominion thing. We have to be benevolent in our dominion and understand that there's a lot of fear involved in relationships, period. Amen? And so Noah said that, he says, for everything that moves and lives shall be meat for you, even as a green herb I've given you all things, but flesh with the life in it, which is which is the blood. So life is in the blood. He says, don't eat it. In other words, God had a process, they call it kosher now, how you could uh, slay animals, drain the blood out of them, and then they were suitable for eating, but you're not to eat blood. He said, and surely your, the, your blood of your lives I will require at the hand of every beast I will require. So God requires if animals kill each other, he requires blood from them too. That's how they get killed. Amen. And it, and at the hand of man and at the hand of every man's brother, I will require the life of a man. Whoso sheds man's blood by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. Amen. So God's not really requiring that to get even with somebody for killing somebody you love or somebody you care about. It's to, to, uh, it's his vengeance. He's, he's avenging himself. Amen. Cause if you hate man enough to kill him, you hate God enough to kill him too. So God has to stop that kind of nonsense. Amen. And so it says though, but the flesh, but flesh with the life thereof is in the blood. Amen. So life resides in the blood. Life continues to talk out of blood that's been shed a long time ago. So the blood of Jesus speaks from eternity. It spoke from eternity and it speaks to eternity. It always talks. His blood always speaks. And it says um, the life of any soul is in the blood and the soul lives forever. Amen. So in Genesis uh, 4.10, we see another example of it, of blood having a voice. This is after Cain killed his brother Abel. Verse 9, where's your brother? Where's Abel, your brother? And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. Amen. So one thing Cain didn't know is that the blood could still talk after his he had killed his brother. Amen. That's something that that murderers now don't know. They don't know how they find out. I mean, now we're we're getting an understanding of how to find evidence, but many years ago there was no DNA, there was no fingerprint, there was no like the forensic uh tools that they have now. Those things didn't always exist, but they always found a guilty person. First of all, that blood is talking to the person's conscience that took his life.
Why do you think people confess? When they say his conscience must have been bothering him. How do you think that happens? It's called blood guiltiness. So the conscience begins to, unless the blood of Jesus is able to silence that voice, that voice still speaks. In the blood of Jesus, if you're guilty and you don't confess it, you don't partake of the blood of Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? You need to confess. You need to confess to as, as many people as are pertinent to confess to so that God can judge righteously in your situation. That's how people get exonerated. That's how they get out of jail. They confess so that the blood of Jesus is applied to their situation. His blood is the only thing that can silence a guilty conscience. Amen? That Other than that, your conscience is full of dead works. And many times people are driven to confess because they can't take the pressure anymore. Amen? That's not That's not the devil telling them to go confess. That's that blood crying out and telling them, you killed me and I'm going to make sure they find out you did it. Why did you do that to me? Amen? And so we have to understand that, that when there is life in the blood, eternal blood is the most powerful force in the universe. It's the most powerful force in the universe because it speaks life from eternity. When when God created the man, he put life in him by his breath, and he became a living soul. Well, when that life was was departed from him through iniquity, God kept talking to him. How'd you hear about Jesus? The blood called you. That preacher ain't called you. That preacher just spoke what the blood said. That's speaking to you from eternity. Jesus knew you were going to get saved. He knew the day you were going to get saved. He knew the circumstances. He knew you was going to make fun at them church people. Huh? Those of us that did. Thought they was crazy. Here comes some of them religious fanatics again. I don't want them coming to my house. Slam the door on them. Amen. Is it true? But the blood, that was, the blood was talking to you. It wasn't the religious fanatics talking to you. Huh? I mean, they might have formed the words, but the blood is what calls us. The Bible says no man can come to Jesus except the Father call him. Amen. The Father is the one that gets the ideas to sick the blood on you. Huh? Oh yeah. He's got, he got you in his crosshairs. Got you in his sights from eternity. Amen. He's pulled a trigger on everybody that's going to get saved. He's pulled a trigger on them already. Just a matter of time. We need to start living like that and understand, God, you call my whole family. I know it's just a matter of time. Instead, what do we do? We watch them. That's why God gets some people out of your life so he can save them. 
and you won't mess it up. Oh, well. Praise the Lord. (laughs) So every life has meaning and purpose. People are not born for nothing. Amen. They're not born by accident. They're born on purpose. Amen. All life comes from God. It comes at the release and the command of God. He is the creator. Amen. We just cooperate in the process. Amen. Of reproduction. We go forth and be fruitful and multiply. But we don't create anything. Amen. You ask people who have tried to conceive and can't. It's not under human control at all. Amen. You ask people who tried not to conceive and did. (laughs) It's not under human control at all. It works both ways. Come on. Oh, y'all grow up and quit treating me like this. I'm grown. I say with no. (laughs) Don't be leaving me out to dry, hanging out to dry like. That's that's how, you know, you get two different responses. I worked in obstetrics and, you know, that, that end of medicine. You get two different responses. You know, you go in there with a happy face and tell them, you're going to be a, a mommy. And some of them pass out and scream and holler. And some of them, ah, ah, finally, or whatever. You know, or some of them shrug, okay. Give my next appointment. <laughs> that's the one, that's the mother that's got seven at home already. Here we go again. So, so there's all kinds of different responses and reactions to it. That's all I'm saying, folks. And it's because people know deep down they have no ability to create. See, the fact that it happens to you comes as somewhat of a surprise anyway, even if you plan it. Even if you're praying for it and hoping for it, it's still like, you know, it's an awe-inspiring occurrence, folks. Because it's not something you can do without God's control and without his say-so. That's why people pray throughout a pregnancy. I hope it's, I want it to be healthy. I want it to be, I want it to be on time. I don't want to be, you understand what I'm saying? Because you know you're not in control of that. There's something that's happening to you that God is in total control over. So it, it, and it deserves respect. You know, not like what we're doing with abortion. It, it, you know, it deserves respect. Creation deserves respect because we're not the creators. Amen. In Leviticus 17.11, it talks about the atonement being in the blood. says for the life of the flesh is in the blood and i have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls for it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul amen it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul so there's a connection between the blood which 
if it shed blood, the blood of Jesus, it's a spiritual force. It's not just a natural force. It's a spiritual force. And there's a place where the, the realm of the spirit begins to guide the soul and purify the soul and make atonement for the soul. So in the realm of the spirit, the blood of Jesus is speaking life to our souls and speaking cleansing to our souls. It's, it's kind of overtaking for us and beginning to guide us and lead us, you know, by the power of the word, but the, the word has life, but the blood has life as well. See the, it's like you can memorize scripture. There are a lot of people who do, but they don't have any power to make it real and carry it out and make it work for them in their lives. Why? Because of the blood. The blood is what makes the difference. See, the blood has been shed on your behalf. And it will begin to speak to you, begin to lead you, begin to guide you, begin to help you, cleanse you over and over and over again. When you make mistakes, the blood will speak to you. Now, now let's get that settled out. That wasn't right what you did right there. It's called conviction of sin. We all get it. If you don't, you should. Amen. Don't skip over that. It's real important. And so when when you confess your sins, the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. So the blood has a continual cleansing property. You need to be cleansed over and over and over again. This isn't like a one time. This is bad as saying I gave my baby a bath when he was 10 months old and I ain't giving him another one. Huh? It, it's it's really that that simple to grasp that when you say and you can feel it you know the difference when you do something wrong God's the last person you want to <laughs> I mean even after being born again for a lot of years it's that same absence of fellowship that you feel Amen you're still this child He still loves you everything but you want to have fellowship Amen. That's like having a long-distance husband or wife. We married, but we don't see each other. We ain't seen each other since our wedding day. We would call that a, not a marriage. Huh? Same thing, our relationship with God. There's so many people. There are people that, that the enemy has enticed into sin and and convinced them that they can never live as righteous people again. And they just backslide. They just go off and you don't hear from them anymore. It's because sin has won them over. They've let, and it, it comes from sloppy Christian living. See, as many times the Bible says, though a man fall, he's never utterly cast down. He never cast down and cast out. Amen. Might be tough getting back where you you left that place but it's only as tough as you make it if if your purpose is to be right with god then god will see that you get right with him in what we call sometimes confession forgiveness repentance and all that kind of stuff people trying to get over on people trying to make people think you all that huh We're talking about godly sorrow. We're not talking about worldly sorrow. 
the worldly sorrow is they found me out. What am I going to say? What are church people going to say to me? Amen. We talking about godly sorrow. That's what leads you to repentance. You need to have that prick inside of you that lets you know you messed up with God. He ain't pleased. Amen. It's like David when he was, you know, he thought he was cool when killed that woman's husband and brought her and all that stuff. And it, the, after, at the end of the description of what happened, it says, but it displeased God. The thing displeased God. That's who you got to be concerned about. Because as far as people were concerned, he had gotten over. You know, nobody but the real close around him knew anything that was going on. He had covered his tracks pretty well. But when it displeases God, you'll start to suffer the effects of it till you get it straightened out. It's so easy to get it straightened out. Amen? Very easy. It's just between you and God. Nobody's, I don't watch your sin and you're not supposed to watch mine. God said, examine yourself. He didn't say, examine everybody else. Amen? So as long as you examine yourself, he he won't have to examine you. (laughs) David got busted in front of everybody. Hello? He could have dealt with it in private, like he always did things. But he tried to scam God. And God said, you did this privately. What I do, I'm going to do it publicly. And he suffered for many, many years behind that, you see. And so we don't want to live in that place. You want to live in that place of instant confession, instant appropriation of the blood. That's when you appropriate the blood, when you confess. Bible says he's faithful and just. He won't not forgive you. He will forgive you and cleanse you. You got to receive it. Amen. You got to receive it. There's some people that have a nagging conscience because they're sloppy in their walk with God. Amen. They don't like humbling themselves to anybody, God or people. And we have to get out of that habit. We have to cultivate the habit of staying humble to God because closeness with him is worth it. That's worth everything. I mean, it really is. You don't want to lose him as your close friend and your best friend. You got to stay close to him. Amen. And so when we understand that, that that appropriating the blood means operating in obedience to God's covenant. I mean, the first principles of the covenant. How did you get saved? By confessing your sins. How do you stay saved? By confessing your sins. Amen. So the blood is is uh, eternal. We said that. We, you make atonement for sin through the blood. It has to be shed. It's a life for a life. When those animals were killed, that life was given to, to pardon man. And, and they, they, uh, the sacrifices went on daily. Amen. The priests always had, because there was always somebody. It just reminds us how easy it is to sin. Don't ever get defensive about, you humble yourself. You know, let yourself feel the, 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 the conviction that the Holy Spirit will bring to you because that blood is talking to you. It's saying you better get right because you need God. You don't want to be without Him. Amen. He your best friend. 
Don't mess it up with him. Amen. No matter what people say. So here it is in Hebrews chapter 9. They're talking about the new covenant and and the worldly uh, sanctuary that was set up under the old covenant. In verse 1, it says, For truly the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, and first wherein was a candlestick and a table, the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer, the Ark of the Covenant, overlaid round with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant. And over it were the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. In other words, he said, go back and read Leviticus and Deuteronomy if you want to know what that's about. He said, now when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But in the second went the high priest alone once again, not without blood. Why? Because his blood would be shed if he went in there without any. Amen? So you couldn't say, oops, I forgot the blood. That was a crucial element that had to be there. Why? It says, which he offered for himself first and for errors of the people. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way to the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make and did not make um, the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. So this is what the problem is with sin. It's a bad conscience. And that's what the blood of Jesus, the living blood, not the blood of bulls and of goats. Because all the first tabernacle did was remind people how sinful they were. Because people forget. They think they right when they ain't right. And they think they holy when they ain't holy. We swing from one extreme to another one. That's why you need a blood that speaks to you moment by moment, minute by minute, situation by situation. That's what we have in the blood of Jesus. That was, that's what we have in the blood atonement. He talks to us by way of that blood. That blood speaks pardon when you've met the conditions. It's silent when you haven't met the conditions and then your conscience begins to bug you. Wonder what I did wrong. Wonder what, huh? It just does. Sometimes we have a habit of a bad conscience. You have to watch yourself that you don't pick on yourself. Amen. Sometimes we know something's off, but we don't really go to God wanting to know and get it settled. See, once you want to know and you want to get it settled, God will settle it for you. But if you're just fishing around in the wondering aspect of situations, you won't get it settled. Because you're not, your heart isn't into settling it. Amen? 
It's like, you know, well, I'll give you an example what we do when we need something from God. We want our healing. We want our this. We want our that. And it doesn't happen when we think it should happen. Then we'll start to ask God or say, I wonder what's wrong. What could be wrong? God, what's wrong with you're not, you don't really want an answer. You're just fishing. So the blood won't speak to you fishing. The blood speaks to you when you meet the conditions. Cause God knows deep in your heart you don't want to know what's wrong. Cause you hoping there's nothing wrong. So you can't hope everything's okay and then ask what's wrong and expect to get God. God ain't getting involved in that. So the blood won't speak, be silent for a while till you come to your Holy Ghost senses again and say, God, you know what's wrong. I figured it out. I'd have walked over in the flesh. I just start judging you as not being able to do this. It's up to me to continue to believe, but it's up to you to perform it in due season. God, I thank you for the fruit of patience that will keep me walking with you until my due season comes. That's all you can do. Just keep doing what you do. Keep believing God. Keep expecting Keep staying on the straight and narrow until it comes about. And if there is something, trust that God will lead you in the right way that you should go. Amen. The the Holy Spirit leads you in a peaceful manner. He'll get you straightened out. He'll get you settled down. He'll get you peaceful first. And then the blood will begin to speak to you. Amen. So that you can follow. If you're hysterical and up on the ceiling and getting ready to quit and crying and carrying it, he's not going to talk to you. Amen. He can't get through to you. There's some conditions. You have to put that as a request before God and then get his peace and then he will talk to you. Just come down off the ceiling. That's like somebody's got some spiritual sense again. Amen. And so he wants to keep us walking in that process, amen, of of constantly allowing the blood to cleanse our walk. It will cleanse your way in advance if you'll let God lead you. That you ever wonder how some things can work like clockwork and you be so successful at it and some things glitch and jerk and push and pull? It's because the blood cleanses your walk. When you're walking by faith. When you get the glitches and the jerks and everything, you've left faith way behind. You've gotten anxious. You start stepping out. You think it's it's not, you know, something's wrong. I can't do this yet. So you got to get back in faith, folks. And get back in, in the place where the blood continues to cleanse your walk as you go. Amen. It'll keep you in the spirit. It'll keep you in the right steps. It'll keep you in the right footprints of Jesus. Amen. His bloody footprints. Amen. His bloody walk. That's what you want to walk. You want to walk that with him. Amen. And so <clears throat> when he, um, let me see, Hebrews 9, is that where we are now? Sorry about. And it says here, it says in the tabernacle and all, he says those things in verse 9 were a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that couldn't make him that did the service perfect 
as pertaining to the conscience. So they would get a temporary reprieve from the burden of their sins. But their conscience could not be cleansed because the the purging power, amen, of the life of Christ was not available. These things were teaching tools. There's going to come a day when there will be a blood shed that will give you a cleansed conscience and you can walk in faith and you can walk in confidence with God not to depart from him year day after day and year after year. And so it pointed to Calvary. It pointed to a better day. It pointed to a time where we wouldn't have to kill up all the animals when we did something wrong. Amen? Amen. And everybody wants that. And it says, and it stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. That's Christ. But Christ, being come a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with hands, not a building on the earth, neither by the blood of bulls and goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once to the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. So if your redemption is eternal, you're never cursed. If your redemption is eternal, you're never burdened by sin. You're never a subject. You're never uh, 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 being controlled. There's nothing that you can't do that God wants you to do. Amen? We might be slow about doing some things or sloppy about them or, or inconsistent, but we know that they're possible and they're doable. Amen? Because of the blood, it gave us eternal redemption. From what? From, from the ordinances that were contrary to us, the stuff that we couldn't do. Amen. From the curse of the broken law. When you break God's covenant, the, the curse doesn't come and sit on you and you can't get out of the penalty box for a period of time. There's no more time in the penalty box for you. You're redeemed from that. As, as quickly as you can catch on that you're cleansed, you receive the benefit of it. You walk free from a bad conscience. It says, for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, the priest's flesh was purified through that sprinkling. Which means that he would, could go into the holiest and come out alive. Amen. That was it. <laughs> Amen. But he had to make sure he applied that blood every single time. Amen. You couldn't presume anything. Just like you can't presume anything about Jesus' blood. You can't presume you're forgiven. You gotta confess your sins. You don't presume anything on him. Are you kidding me? The price he paid and the little bit we do and call ourselves obedient? Come on, y'all. We put obedient diff- different baskets. Easy, medium, hard, and I ain't gonna. Huh? Everybody does the easy all the time. Then we get to the hard, 
we start rebuking it. That ain't God. God wouldn't tell me to do that. Amen. You didn't check in with him. You need to check in with him and see if he that's him telling you to do that. Amen. And so so Jesus went in to the holy place in heaven, the sanctuary, the tabernacle in heaven, not made with hands. And he says to obtain eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and all of that couldn't purify the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. The Holy Spirit was the agent of Jesus' offering. Amen. And he offered himself without spot to God the Father. You mean God the Father made Jesus do that? No, Jesus did it willingly, but the Father demanded holy blood so that we could live. There's a high price paid for your soul and my soul. Amen. And he says he offered him without spot to God. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So if your conscience is purged from dead works, you're not afraid to step out in faith and confidence and and ask for stuff. Do things. Let God lead you and guide you. That only happens because the blood has purged your conscience from dead works. Or you'd be afraid to do everything. Amen? Just like you were almost when you were a sinner. You're scared to do this. Well, I don't know if God will want me to do that again, or I don't know. No, you wait for his leading now. Amen? And then you step out in confidence. That only comes through the blood. That that confidence you have and I have, and faith in, in his word, what he, that says he will do what he says he was again. That's, that's from your coach, the blood. Amen? He coaches us. In the, he coaches us and tells us, you can do this, you can do that, you can do this, you can do that. Amen? And learn how to obey him. There are going to be some things that the, the Holy Spirit will prompt you to do that you think that you don't have to do or you're not going to do or it's an option for you to do it. I don't think I'm the only one. There are some things that, oh, that's new to me. Well, let it be new, but you're going to have to do it. Amen? In order to receive what God wants you to have. You know, don't lag back on everything. Like you don't, there's nothing, nothing, no new hurdles to cross. You got me? That we all want something better. And we're going to have to be willing to get into the better things. Let the Holy Spirit begin to speak better things to you. Amen? Better comes through him speaking to you, through the blood speaking to you. You can do this. You don't have to sit back and watch life happen to you anymore. You can let, you can do these things. Sometimes we sit there and we admire things and we want things, but we don't want to step into the arena of obtaining them because we're fearful about the cost. Well, God is not going to re- he's going to help you do it. He's going to lead you in it. What does it cost you to obey God? Nothing but obedience, nothing but humility. You know, just humble yourself and say, okay, God, just show me. I'm scared, but show me. 
I've never done this before, but show me. This is something I never thought was going to be on my radar, but show me. Amen? And and start having the confidence in him that he has in you. See, that blood speaking to you is what gives, it's, it's, it's the component that makes you invincible. Amen? It gives you the daredevil, you know, aspect of your life in God. The blood is what causes people to, you know, when we read about people who are martyred because of their stance in Christ, you know, um, the blood is what causes them to have that confidence to step over and do it anyway. And see, that's what was, was covering Stephen when he stood up and preached Christ. They threatened to stone him before. He knew the stoning was inevitable. But he stepped over there anyway. See, it's grace for martyrdom that, that the blood speaks to us and tells us, step over and do it anyway. It's going to be all right. Amen. It gives us confidence. We have access to the throne room. Stephen's spirit was up there where Jesus was. That's why Jesus stood up to welcome him. And they haven't hit him with the first rock yet. He knew it was coming. The blood spoke that to him and told him it's going to be all right. Stand up and preach anyway. Amen. You won't have to run and hide no more. You can come home. Your work is done. Amen. And so let that blood speak, folks. Don't shut the blood up by telling me, I don't, I don't want that. Now that's not, God hadn't told me that yet. He's telling you now. I said he's telling you now. See, there are things that God wants us to do so that he can position us. If you're just worried about what you need and what you got and what you can do, you're way off base. You aren't listening to the blood. Because it's talking to you better things. It's talking to you greater things. It's talking to you miraculous things. It's talking to you get out of yourself and get over into the spirit. Where I can reach you and I can reassure you that this is doable. You want to do extraordinary things, you're going to have to step out of the ordinary. You have to step out of the comfortable. You're going to have to step out of the zone. Huh? Where you think is you think it's gonna happen one way, and the blood is telling you, uh uh-uh. uh. If you think I'm gonna come down there where you are, you got another thought. You gotta come up here where I am. Huh? That's where the better things are. It's up in the heavenlies, it's in the elevated realm. That's what blood speech does come up higher. It's okay. It, the way has been paved for you. The way has been paid for for you. Come on up higher. The Father wants you up here so you can live the life he's ordained you to live. See, people want a better life, but they want everything brought down to where they are. The blood don't talk to you like that. He tells you, come up higher. We have access. Access to where? Better things, higher things, the throne room. You can get a a view of life the way God sees it. He's he's not concerned about your mountains. Because your mountains aren't going anywhere until you move them. Amen. 
He's not worried about your mountains. And we have them. Everything that tells you you can't do what God is requiring you to do is a mountain. Huh? So you got to speak to that. And say, oh, okay, I get it now. God is bringing me a new idea for this new thing I want to do. If it could be done the same old way, you'd have it already. So new things require new ideas, new strategies, new ways. Ways that you never thought you'd do. Huh? You just need to kick your little pride off the throne. And say, God, whichever way you're going to make it come, I'm getting it. I don't care. Amen. I'm not calling the shots. You are. Amen. And allow the blood to begin to forge a new path for you to be able to obtain. Amen. You want to go into some areas where you haven't been before. Or open up some doors that have been closed to you. You got to let him help you think out of the box. I say, okay, let me, let me, let me try this. I thought I knew how this was going to work, but I see I don't know nothing. And let him speak that new way to you. There is a new way and a living way to get from point A to point B, get to where you need to be and where you want to be. And you're going to have to jump out the box in order to get it. Amen. And we all have to do that. We have to fight complacency. We have to fight the habit of thinking a certain way all the time. And and usually, if we keep thinking the same old way and we don't make progress, it's because fear is involved. Well, the blood of Jesus is speaking to you that it's going to be all right. Let go of the fear. He doesn't speak fear to us. He speaks faith and confidence. It's like, come on over here and let me show you, because I'm with you, girl. I got you. Amen. And I mean, but for real, though, God wants us to have the things that we are believing him for. But for real, though, amen, what the blood does, it persuades us fully. Keep keep letting the blood talk to you. Keep, Keep letting him tell you better things. You're redeemed. You're not under the curse. There's no limit on you. The curse put a limit on everything. Because the minute you sinned, you had to sit in the penalty box. And there were, there were time, time restraints put on certain things under the curse of the law. Amen. And so you, you, you gotta come out of that penalty box, folks. Of, oh, well, it's okay. It's not okay. It's not okay with God. He, he, you know, and people say, oh, you, you got greatness in you. Yeah, 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 we all do. Show me how to release mine. If you ain't showing me how to release nothing, let's just keep it moving. You know, I'm switching the channel. Huh? We all got that. We got God inside of us. If we don't have it but being born again, we're made in his image. There's a tug of God's, God's life on the inside of every human being. Some, some way that we can recognize him. And so if, if, if we're not being instructed in how to walk in that, then what good is it? Huh? It's like telling you, you, you got inheritance coming and granny ain't dead yet. Well, call me at the funeral. Y'all wake up. I wouldn't have to say stuff like that. 
You understand what I'm saying? If you gonna talk about inheritance, we gonna talk about go to Granny's for dinner. That's something different. But you talk talk about what's being left to me. I know the rules. Huh? <laughs> so Jesus entered in by His own blood. Ah, once and for all, His blood never has to be shed again. Why? Because it has a voice now to speak from eternity. So instead of human blood or 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 uh, flowing out of his his mortal body, that's been done already once and for all. Don't have to be done again. But it still has power. How? By its voice. Amen. And so so his blood cleanses us, purges us. From a dead conscience, a, a, a fearful conscience, dead works, to serve the living God. To not be afraid to draw nigh to God. The blood draws us to him by his voice. Say, come here, let me talk to you. We're friends. You don't have to be afraid of me. I'm not going to tell you to do something you can't do. And I'm not going to tell you I don't love you anymore and I'm not going to give you what you asked me for. That's not my report. The blood of Jesus reports that everything, that all is well. As long as you meet the requirements. Amen. You confess. He forgives. And he cleanses. You only got to do one thing. Amen. It's amazing people let the devil back them into a corner and they forget it. Amen. You can only rebel against so many of God's laws without your conscience bothering you. Okay, I'll pretend I didn't say that. Let me skip that part and move over to something more delectable. Huh? You can't skip stuff. Huh? You know, when at a, one point in, in my marriage, my husband and I weren't getting along. It was a, I was, I wasn't even saved then, but then I, I got saved. I was a new Christian and it took some time. And I found out, I thought he had the problem all the time. I found out I had the problem too. And I couldn't fix his problem, but I could fix mine. And there were certain things I wanted to skip over and not want to do that I knew would please him. You ever get a little witchcraft in you? Uh-huh. Yeah. You want to skip that. To put the screws to him. Then you find out them brothers don't even care. They just, you know, putting something out there. Hey, you know, it don't make him no difference. I mean, he's not going to fall over dead because you don't do certain things. So then you triple man. Because you thought it was going to upset him. You find out he ain't bothered by it. I'm going to drink me some Pierre water. <laughs> Huh? See, that's the time you need to pause and confess your sin. Just take a confession break. Because you just slipped over to the devil's territory. 
trying to work your little craft on your own and see if you can upset somebody. And God won't let it work. You know that brother say, I thought I wanted that, but I don't want that after all. That's God coming to the rescue. (laughs) He just depowered you. Took all your little weapons away, puny as they are. See, the weapons of our warfare aren't carnal. They're mighty through God. To the pulling down of the witchcraft in your mind. See, when you confess and God, you know, he catches you. He'll show you. Uh Uh-uh. I don't even want a little bit of nonsense out of you. Huh? Go read Proverbs 31 and quit skipping over it. Huh? Well, a lot of this stuff don't pertain to me. Uh, that's good. Cause that means you don't have to do a whole lot. But do the part that pertains to you. Huh? Do the part that you can click with. This was a woman who wasn't selfish. She wasn't after what she wanted all the time. Huh? All this stuff. We strong women. Shut up. The Bible says be strong in the Lord. And about all the rest of that so-called strength, God could, God can flick something and you would pass out with your so-called worldly strength. Just cause you march around with a t-shirt on and take that little t-shirt and tr and tr to start fading and peeling and t-shirt didn't even make it out of the dryer. <laughs> Just a thought. See, you gotta confess stuff like that. You got that stuff in you? Man, that, I know, I remember when I was first in Women's Aglow Fellowship, I thank God for that organization. And for the godly women who were adamant, they didn't care about so much about numbers and making a big splash and all of that kind of stuff being popular. They cared about each other. And I remember saying something about my husband and one lady, she said, no, you can't talk like that, Barb. We got to love. And I said, I love him, you know, trying to be smart. And then God cornered me. Huh? But it took her words to do it. See, where we do a disservice to one another, we don't point out these things in love. You understand what I'm saying? Cause see, that was a crucial issue in my life I was bitter from him rejecting me you understand what I'm saying it takes a while to get bitter out of you you know how you get it out you love them anyway you serve them huh you just you do what God tells you to do and he heals you amen you realize you're married to a weak human being just like your weak human being Then you start to get a little sober in your thinking. 
and you allowed God the healing to continue. You'll never know what healing is until you get the first scab over, peeled off, and you look and see the skin's intact again. You got me? You gotta, you gotta get some healing first before you want more. Our problem is we try to escape everything that we think is going to be unpleasant. When you say you want to be healed, let me just, just let me help you out. If you want to be healed, that means change. C-H-A-N-G-E. Get off the street you on and get on the right street. Amen? And a lot of people don't want to be healed. They just want to walk around crippled and, you know, half made and, you know, and, and most of us are overdue for some of it. You know, cause our, our stores are starting to ooze. You know what I'm saying? We gotta, we gotta step up there and say, God, okay, I see that. Let me, let me step back into the box again so that I can get some more of this done. Get more of this out of me, off of me. I was watching a healing minister. I might have mentioned this before. A nine-year-old girl comes up to the altar for prayer. And he said, well, what do you need prayer for, honey? And, and when she told him, you could see him stagger and almost fall back in shock. She says, I got a lot of burdens on me I want to get rid of. I want God to take these burdens off. Nine years old. And he like stood up straight and swallowed hard, you know, choking back tears. And and he began to speak to the audience, you know, sometimes people can chill a little bit, get the attention off of what they're doing. And when God straightened him up, he went back and he said, well, what, what, what burdens? He said, she said, things that happened to me in my past. Nine years old, she got a passion that hurts her. Do you understand? But she got sense enough to come to the altar to get healed. And we're all like that. You know, don't stop. <laughs> like Brother Stone said, keep on getting your healing. Right? Don't stop getting your healing. Don't stop going to the, the place where God can continue to reshape and reform you. Because the blood is continually prophesying over us that there's more. Not more wrong with you but more that he can help you with and so you can accomplish more with your life. You can't make it too far limping and hurting and careful. The Bible says be careful for nothing. Amen. The blood of Jesus speaks to you that you can go through life without being fearful and touchy and concerned and ashamed and everything else that we feel. Because of the old man always taking over us. Amen. Learn how to get yourself more in the word. Meditate on the word. God, I'm a new creature. I'm going to think like one. Boy, wouldn't that be the day. Amen. Where you could give up the old thought life. Not have anything wrong with you. Not remember your past. Amen. Not let it dictate your future. Because that's what the devil's hope is. That he can keep you so absorbed. And what you've been through and what people have done to you and all that. If he can keep you absorbed in that, he'll get you to repeat it. You'll be a victim all your life. You run into somebody you think is your best friend and you wind up hating them. You got me? Why? Because you're not walking in the new. You're not letting the blood prophesy to you. 
This is who you really are. You're not that person that was beaten up and bruised. You're not the, the guy on the Jericho Road. That's not your life anymore. The Good Samaritan has come into your life. He's redeemed you. He's given you new stuff. But you got to take and make an effort to think new and act new and be new. Don't bring all them old habits back into your new life. Amen. All your old witchcraft and all your crazy stuff. You know, even if you have to sit idle for months, even years, or what you think is idle, because you're not doing what you consider to be big. Let me let you know, let me help you out. Let me let you in on a little secret. We all want to do something big, don't we? Well, let me tell you who is big. Look at Mary and Martha. Who was big? Ah! Gotcha. See, Martha wanted to be big. What was she doing up in front of everybody? Fixing food, cooking, complaining, fussing. That's what I call carnal big. And that's what most people have in their minds when they think about doing big things for God. But Mary, what does she do? Sitting and paying attention to what Jesus. Sometimes you got to do that for years before God will use you and move you to do what you call big. And you know what your first big will be? Preaching in somebody's basement. Huh? Your first big. Big is leading somebody to the Lord. Big is praying for the sick. Big is, is being big to somebody who needs God to be big to them. Big is knowing who you are in Christ and not having to flaunt it because you know it's not yours to flaunt. God forbid we all start trying to cash in on the anointing like that. It's not to make you important and look big and look no kind of way. It's to keep you close to God. Jesus commended Mary. He said, he said, she chose a better part. What you up cooking for? It ain't time to be cooking. It's time to be listening to some preaching, Martha. Huh? Go sit down somewhere. And if we have to sit for years and not ever get to our, our big thing, whatever that is, serving is serving. I don't know what y'all think, but. <laughs> Once you find the key, once you get that real answer, you realize, oh, God, I've arrived. I'm at that important place. I'm at the place of greatness because I'm mopping the floor. I'm I'm vacuuming. I'm fixing food. I'm cleaning toilets. I'm great. I'm going to stop. I'm going to let y'all go. (laughs) Praise God. I'll let you off the wire. <laughs> Turn off the barbecue pit. They're done for a minute. Well, whatever. I don't know. But you know what I'm saying, y'all. Just let's just be let's get sober. Let's get normal. And let's realize who we are. Amen. Let the greatness come out of you in doing the small things. Amen. It's all the seeds you sow anyway. I don't care if you got millions of people in your audience. It's all the seed you sow. And sometimes the bigger the, the, the platform, the greater your test will be. See, there are some people I'm glad I'm not in their shoes right now. Cause they're being tested big in front of many, many people. 
they got any pride is going to have to leave. Or they're not going to make it through the test. Amen. Just like the rest of us. We're all the same in God's eyes. Amen. Why don't we stop? Well, Father, we thank you for your word and understanding and for the thing that you want us to, to understand, Lord, is the power of redemption in your blood and how it continues to speak to us from eternity. Father, it's an eternal voice, which means it will never change. And I thank you. It always speaks better things. It always speaks great things. It always speaks a great future for us. Never speaks doom and gloom to the blood bought. So, Lord, I thank you for that, that we're never out of the race. We're never disqualified. We're always qualified because of the blood. And we thank you, Father, that it renews our spirit, renews our minds, puts us in a different frame of mind, Father. And we thank you for that gift. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. So we'll do our declaration. I don't have Rona. And she don't have me. I can't get Rona. And she can't get me. And I thank you, Lord, by your stripes. We are healed, period. Amen, amen, and amen again. It's so decreed. Amen. Praise God. Amen.